Good afternoon, um, She Did It Her Way listeners. Again, thank you guys for joining us for another episode today at noon on Monday. Today, I've welcomed on Leah Kaplanis, who is the founder of Social Enjoyments, and it is a good-for-you beverage, which I'm going to have her share more about exactly what it is and how she got started, but I brought her on today because I found that a lot of us, if we have ideas and then taking it to an actual physical product can be one of the hardest things for most of us to actually get to. And so I want to pick her brain about when did she make the decision, what was her first step, and then how did she map out to actually get to a physical product. So without further ado, Leah, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, well, we are excited to hear about social enjoyments and everything going on. But specifically today, what are you most excited about? What's got you just jazzed up? Wow. Um, well, I have a few things today. You know, every day is definitely different um, in my world now. Uh, well, I'm happy to be here on this call. And then I have I have another interview in a little while. That will be fun. And then actually today I'm putting in uh, purchase orders. So POs for all of the ingredients for our next run. And that's really exciting slash uh, well, scary <laughs> because our next run is going to be ginormous. It's going to be like 10,000 cases. And so we're submitting, I don't know, probably a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of purchase orders today. Oh my goodness. Um, and I still have to find some of that capital, which is something we'll get into. But uh, so all of that kind of together. And since it's about 10 times what we did last, or no, sorry, five times what we did last time, it's wow. a pretty, pretty big day. No kidding. That's awesome. So tell us, tell us about social enjoyments. Yeah. So social is really, well, our mission is to create the most health conscious alcohol available today uh, to empower people to live vibrant, connected lives. So it was really born out of, you know, my necessity to incorporate alcohol into my life in an empowering way. So, you know, just, and kind of, I can tell you a little bit more about how we got started and everything, but, um, you know, basically it's, I, I found that alcohol could be so disempowering, but at the same time it was so joyful and fun and wonderful. So I had to kind of come up with an option that had more of the positives and less of the negatives. Mm-hmm. And so. how did you, What's your journey from what inspired your idea for social enjoyments? So the way we got started was actually kind of a strange story. Um, So when I was 26, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Mm, And I I went on a, a, you know, a holistic healing journey. So sort of from day one, I decided that I, I wanted to try to heal holistically. And that led me to a lot of different places, um, meeting with a lot of different healers, a lot of different alternative therapists, alternative doctors, uh, going to raw vegan institutes, going to macrobiotic institutes, and really just sort of expanding my my awareness of what what's going on uh, in the world and and what how the world operates. It really changed a lot of my views and and really how our bodies operate and how nature operates. And so I, I was on that journey for about three years, and I didn't drink alcohol at all. 
Uh, and I was, I was vegan for the whole time. I was raw vegan for about eight months. And I, I knew that I was going to be healed. I, I kind of had developed enough of a connection to myself to say, you know what, I've decided I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be healed. And I, this feeling sort of came over me um, where I didn't want to lead this restricted life anymore. You know, I had been doing, you know, no drinking. I was carrying around a cooler of raw vegetables in the middle of winter in Chicago, you know, and something inside me just said, I'm not going to lead a restricted life anymore. I don't care, you know, maybe if I eat meat sometimes or if I have a drink, maybe that's not perfect. Maybe I'll get, you know, the cancer won't go away, et cetera, et cetera. But it didn't matter. My intuition said, you need to explore this other way. And so I began to uh, I began to drink again, and that's when I, I sort of found out that shoot I was getting hangovers, and I was used to not getting hangovers for three years. I couldn't get up and go to yoga, um, and but at the same time I you know I was having so much fun drinking. You know it mm-hmm. it, it let me dance and laugh and be joyful and live in the moment and connect and express myself with others and. And there were so many positives, you know, when I was looking at alcohol with sort of fresh eyes that I saw. And so when I went to uh, buy something to drink at the store, I I looked around and I I didn't know what I would buy uh, that was sort of health conscious. And, you know, I, there was a display of skinny girl, frankly, and, Mm. and it led me in and it, you know, it had a woman on it and it talked about being all natural and so forth or whatever. And I bought it. And tried it, had fun, but sort of realized, you know, this isn't meeting all of my needs either. And just said, you know, I I need to, I'm, I want to drink in my life and there's nothing available. So I got to create it. What was it specifically about? So you take Skinny Girl just as an example, but what was it missing? Yeah. So, well, I wanted something that was definitely all organic. Um, and I had really learned that there's a big difference between you know, natural, all natural and organic, uh, huge difference. So really all natural is, is still synthetic. It can mm. still be synthetic. It, it's really strange. Wow. Uh, it's more <laughs> natural than natural, which really means like nothing. Um, but it's, it's still synthetic. So I definitely wanted something all organic. Uh, I wanted something that tasted better, I guess was probably one of, you know, a big thing that kind of deterred me from that. Um, so a certain, certain taste, I wanted something that was really low in sugar mm-hmm. because sugar is sort of one of the things that feeds, you know, cancer and illness, uh, also makes you gain weight and so forth. So I definitely wanted something low calorie, um, low in sugar. And then I also wanted something that was lower in alcohol. So I, for me, the experience of going out and interacting with your friends and family and, and potential spouses or, you know, you're dating, whatever it is is really so much more about the connection that you guys share and the interaction and the joy that sort of experience from just being in those settings, being around other people. Um, it's not, for me, it's not just about getting drunk mm-hmm. at all. So I wanted something that I could be sitting there drinking, loosening up, relaxing, laughing, and staying refreshed and like being able to drink throughout several hours uh, without you know, losing my keys, getting in an argument, having a hangover, that sort of thing. So 
Um, so social is actually, it's 4% alcohol. So it's just a little bit more than a light beer. Uh, you can drink, you know, two, three, four of them and still feel good the next day or I can anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so that was kind of one of the main things. It's like, in a way I wanted a beer, but I didn't like the taste of beer. I didn't like the gluten that's in beer, mm-hmm. the calories, the bloating, all that sort of stuff. So I kind of wanted a very tasty, lower, uh, alcohol product. Okay. So tell us then when, how long ago did you start social enjoyments? When did you have the idea and like, what was the first thing that you did? Yeah. So I, uh, let's see, I got the idea, I would say in June of 2012 and by November, um, what the first thing I did was I called a friend of mine who was very entrepreneurial as well. And we had worked on something a few years before that never went anywhere. Uh, but I called him and I said, you know, I'm ready to do this. I want to do something. This is what it is. And he said, well, that's so weird because I actually have always wanted to do something with sake. And I didn't know he actually had sent an email like three years before in the middle of the night, he had like sent an email to someone and said, Hey, what if we did a sake business? So, and he sent me that email. It was just too wild. But so anyway, he said, why don't we use sake? It's gluten-free. It mixes well with flavors. Uh, you know, it, it's supposedly it doesn't give you as bad of hangovers, et cetera, et cetera. It's been growing, but people still really don't know about it. So I said, okay, that sounds good. Uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. So he and I, um, actually there was a business competition at my grad school and we decided to enter that competition. And so what's great about those competitions is that they really help you to structure yourself and to start creating your business plan. Mm. And that's where you sort of like work out, you know, how to do it and, and, and all of that stuff. Um, so, so we put a team together, mainly his, one of his best friends and his wife. And so it was the four of us and we just started meeting, you know, once a week, uh, and saying, okay, here's this business competition. They, they want us to create a business plan. So you take this part, I'll take this part, uh, and starting to, to write the paper. So, and then, you know, we did that. Um, we got to the second level of the business competition. Uh, some more, more teammates came in that really provided a lot of resources. Uh, and we got to the second level and then, they asked us to be in their accelerator program, which is like an incubator. Mm-hmm. And so I quit my job at Nestle and did that for the summer. So you quit your job at Nestle and then did the incubator program and that was summer 2013, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. What was it like quitting your job and diving into social enjoyment? So, you know, I really think that these things happen in stages. And when, to me, it all starts with a commitment. You know, it, mm-hmm. it all starts with, I'm going to do this. I'm ready. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how, when, why, who, you know, what I'm doing, but this, I am doing this. And for me, once I made that commitment, which was, you know, I would say at the beginning of 2013, well, end of 2012, um, you start taking actions that sort of start to set you up to take bigger actions. And so when it was like maybe end of January, um, they were doing a layoff at Nestle and I found myself asking my boss, um, 
if I could volunteer for the layoff. Mm. And they didn't end up letting me volunteer for it. We had to, I had to quit, but <sighs> I tried. Um, but so I got off the phone with him and I was like, holy smokes, I had been there eight years. This business isn't even, we don't have a product. We don't have any money yet. We don't have, I mean, literally it was like two months after I kind of started thinking about it, like wow. and working on it. But I, I said, I'm like, holy smokes, I just told my boss that I would take a layoff. <laughs> so by the time, you know, six months later, five months later, um, <clears throat> when the incubator, they gave us $10,000. And so I said to myself, well, I want to do this thing. It's not going to happen if I, I don't do it, if I don't, you know, focus on it. Um, I could use that $10,000 for a little bit of salary. I could find another job. I could, you know, whatever, all the logic that made the risk okay for me mm -hmm. was there. And I think that everybody's risk, you know, whenever anyone quits their job, in their mind, it makes sense. Totally. Right? If you look at it from an outside perspective, oh my gosh, it's so risky. <laughs> what are they doing? But as long as in your mind you are at a comfort level with, you know, whatever savings you have or whatever, you know, options you have, then you'll make the change. So. That's incredible. So what, talk to us about the incubator program that you did in the summer and how that progressed you forward with creating this physical product. Yeah. So, um, so that was basically, where uh, the 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 my school the people who are running the incubator what they would do is they would ask you what are your main needs are they investing are they manufacturing um, marketing whatever it is you put down like your top three needs and then they start looking into their contact lists and sending out email introductions. So each week you are just meeting with people and there's not like an agenda. There's no one watching you. It's really just you meeting with someone who knows, who has experience in what you're trying to do. And so all summer, you know, besides all the things I was doing um, to get the business together, I was meeting with tons of people and just, just learning and soaking up all of that knowledge. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, and then at the end you get to pitch in front of some investors and and that sort of thing. So then what came after you made the contacts and when did you guys actually – when was your first product launch? So we've, we've launched in August of 2014, so it's, it's been about eight months or so, eight, nine months. Wow. Yeah. And Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. And I was just, just to kind of go back to what you're saying, like, how did we actually build it? Yeah. So the main thing that I, that was, I found helpful, uh, was actually something I kind of started doing, you know, towards the beginning. And I would recommend this to anyone. If you want to learn how to make something or do something, call the people who will be your vendors, call your vendors. Because they are incentivized to educate you so that you can purchase from them. Mm -hmm. So I started calling different, I mean, I, I heard, you know, I could talk to people in the beverage industry. They said, okay, well, you need a flavor company. 
So, so I Google, you know, flavor companies, here's five flavor companies, start calling them and start picking their brain. You know, how much flavor would I need? How, what is the process? How much does it cost? Et cetera, et cetera. And then from there you start learning, okay, well, you're probably also going to need this provider. You're going to need a can provider. And before you know it, you're on the phone with all of these vendors and turns out, and this may be like most industries, that it's actually only like a handful. Um, you know, there there may be like with cans, there's three can companies in the U.S. Oh, wow. Uh, for producers, there's really only probably four places that I could really produce it right now. So there's really the world starts shrinking and you kind of start entering into the community of whatever industry you're going for. Um, and so then you start learning, okay, I need, this is how much I'm probably going to need to fund this. This is how much I'll need for this. And as soon as I'm ready, as soon as I have the cash, I know exactly who I'm going to buy from. I know exactly who's going to make my product. What was it like so you're the lead up and everything, you reached out to these vendors and it might have been a flavor company, a can provider, someone who actually produces and puts and mixes the flavors together. Mm-hmm. And so tell us about your the marketing side of things. How did you develop a brand, all that stuff? Yeah. So that's the funnest part for me. Um, I'm kind of a geek, um, a marketing geek. That's my passion. Uh, and, you know, I studied that in undergrad and grad school, but I had never done consumer marketing that much. I had always done mainly food and beverage sales. Um, I used to work for Nestle, like I said. So for me, this was this awesome opportunity to start building like a consumer plan. And, and what I did there was I started, um, talking to, you know, I, I got a marketing advisor, was a, a director at Nestle and I asked her to be an advisor to me. And I got a couple other alumni from my school, met with them, and just started talking about what are the main tactics, marketing tactics going on today. So some of those, you know, jumped out, social media, um, email marketing, uh, billboards, you know, um, TV. And so you kind of, we kind of listed, here's all the things. And some, we just X out TV, you know, Hmm. we don't have the budget for that, gone. And so... So I kind of, I kind of, you know, looked at what, what are the main things out there? And there's really in marketing, you know, as far as categories go, there, maybe there's 10 different categories or eight different categories that things fall into. And then I started, you know, I really figured out who my consumer was. And what was really cool was that my consumer, which is, you know, mainly health conscious women, millennials and, and, you know, in their, into their thirties and forties and fifties even, but, um, you know, tech friendly and so forth, they, they really gravitated towards the, the inexpensive grassroots type marketing. Mm -hmm. So I said, this is where I'm going to focus. I'm going to focus on social media. I'm going to focus on email marketing, which is basically free. Um, and then events, you know, I decided like I need to get out there and meet people, um, meet people. And so I started, I started telling people, Hey, you know, if you're having a party or a women's networking group, or, you know, a gym is opening or anything like that. I'll give you product. I'll be there. I'll, I'll sample it and I'll t- start talking to people. And that's really the main thing we've done is just, we've probably done, you know, 150 events 
um, where we're out in the community and we're meeting people and every single event I do, I, I meet at least one person that wants me to do another event. Um, or I meet someone that, you know, knows someone who works at a, a restaurant or a store or it's, it's crazy how once you get out there, it just, it snowballs. Mm-hmm. So. How, um, so that's the marketing, but then how do you go about getting your product into a physical store? Yeah. And where do you, where do social enjoyments currently live when it comes to the stores? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're in, we're in about 200 stores, um, and bars and, um, so basically, and, and this is what I did for Nestle, actually. So I, I had a little, little bit of a, a, you know, some background in that. So, so what you do as a brand owner is each each grocery store group, say, so like in Chicago, it's Mariano's or Kroger or Meyer, wherever anyone lives, one of those big grocery groups. They have an office, a headquarters, and they have generally one person who's what they call a category manager. And that person makes the decisions on what new items they're going to they're going to let into their store. And so, there's a couple ways to get to them, and it's always good if you you know if they're an alumni of a school or if somehow someone you know knows them. Connections in this world are just so important. I found out. Um, but you can also just email them. You call the headquarters. You find out what their email is. Say, I want the category manager for wine. And figure out their email address, send them a presentation, a PowerPoint presentation, um, or even just a sell sheet, you know, one pager um, that says, here's what this product is. Um, here's, you know, who we are. Can we, can we do a meeting and, and sample the product? And so that's, that's kind of how it goes. So, yeah, so now, yeah, we're in about 200 stores. We're in, um, we're in all of the Marianos in Chicago. We're in like four or five targets, um, some Walgreens, like 11 whole foods. And then we're in, um, we kind of went for like the trendy, trendy bars and restaurants, because if you can get in with the bigger guys, the the smaller guys, um, you know, tend to follow them. So Mm -hmm. we got into like the Trump and Paris club and benchmark and places like that in Chicago. And then we also just, um, we also just launched in Minnesota. So we're in stores up there now. We're probably about 40 stores up there. And then we're um, just got accepted uh, in Tennessee and in Florida. Oh my gosh, congratulations. Thank you. Very, there's a lot to be excited about. <laughs> so, the, with, um, I mean, even just hearing you say that email the category manager, set up a time, do some tastings, but what has been your biggest surprise through this whole process surprise in a good way and a surprise in a oh goodness gracious like didn't (laughs) see I'm sure there's probably a lot of those along the way but I would love for you to share some of those and then how what did you do to help get through that and overcome that surprise yeah, so I'm so glad you asked this. This is kind of what I was mentioning when I was saying that today I'm putting in those purchase orders for tons of product that is way more than we've ever put in before. Um, and I don't have all the cash for it as of today. Um, so the biggest the biggest thing that I have learned is that you have to present a front 
that is very confident. You have to a lot of times overpromise and then and then deliver. Mm. Overpromise and then deliver. Um, you know, obviously don't want to underdeliver, but you have to overpromise. You have to say, I'm going to step up to the bat because people won't meet you with those big opportunities unless you you come at them with something big. I mean, you you say, "Hey, I'm ready for this." You may not be ready, but you have to you have to in order to get to the next step and really like take your business further fast, you have to you have to get ready. Mm-hmm. When was the <laughs> and, time that you did that? Oh, let's see. <laughs> Um, gosh, I mean, I, I actually told the producer, so it was very difficult to get a producer. Like I said, there's not very many. I told him that, Hey, we're going to be ready to produce this day. Um, I told our distributor. Oh, so then at that time we didn't even have a distributor. So distributors are like your sales force. They have to accept you and want to sell you, um, in the alcohol world anyway. So I went to four or five distributors, all said no. We were waiting on the fifth and they, they, it seemed really promising, but we just weren't sure. But I said, I need to move this business forward. So we need to produce. And if, you know, maybe after we produce, then they will accept us because maybe right now they're saying, oh, they say they're going to produce, but they're not, who knows if they do it, whatever. So I basically, um, started production without anyone to sell it. And so that gave, when I spoke with that distributor and this was like, you know, it was like seventy eighty $80,000 for the first production run. Um, I told the distributor, Hey, we're, we're, we're going to have product this day. We're wanting to launch this day. And so that mo- uh, momentum and that, you know, this is happening, taking action, you know, I think is what inspired him to say, okay, I'm going to get this done. I, we want to accept you. Oh my gosh, I just got nervous in my stomach when you're like, we're going to produce $80,000 worth, but we don't got a distributor. But I love that. Oh my goodness. So, I mean, you just made that decision and said, nope, we're going to do it. And then they took you guys on. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing it again. I mean, I just went to Tennessee and to Florida and I, I met with the distributors there and the one, well, both of them accepted us, but one said, okay, we want to present this to Publix um, within the next two weeks. They've got 760-some stores. And so if we get it in, it's a huge game changer for me. I mean, that would just change my whole life. Um, Or when they get it in, they're going to need, you know, 1,600 cases. And they're going to need it by that particular day. And that could cost, just that alone is probably 50, 60 grand right there. Mm -hmm. And... So I'm committing to that and now I have to raise more money and I have to I have to figure out how to make it all happen, which is mainly just get everything done and, and raise the cash. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that then too, because how did you you had the ten thousand dollars from the incubator program, but then after that, how did you get funding in order to sustain yourself at the beginning and continue to stay, sustain so you can scale? Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? Okay, so we started with a few different teammates, and everyone put in five thousand dollars. 
So we, let's say we, we really kind of got most of the business going with about $20,000. Um, then, um, I didn't take a salary for 14 months. Oh. A couple other times I stopped taking a salary, um, as well. So that definitely helped cut the cost. So I was just living off of my, um, savings and I hear a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs do that. Um, mm. you know, most of the ones I talk to, that seems to be what's going on, but it doesn't have to be, um, it's what you can do to raise cash is to, uh, we did a friends and family round and we did what's called a convertible note, which is a pretty simple, um, contractual document that you can, um, you know, hire a lawyer, but it's, it's could, should cost you even $2,000 or less, to get that done. And then we sent out an email, um, that had, uh, a couple of uh, word document that had information about the company, sent that out to people and said, you know, if you would like more information, please let us know, sign this non-disclosure agreement and we'll send you the contracts and we'll send you some more information. Mm. So it really was just, we have two emails. One is sort of a teaser email and the second has the contracts and we just sent that out to all of our friends and family. And then after that, a lot of them wanted to set up meetings. Um, so we'd meet with them, tell them about what we're doing. They want in. They sign the documents and we're done. They send the check. Okay. <laughs> so how um, is that that still plays out today then too? Yeah. Yep. So we're actually doing that um, for, well, really as long as we can. We're, we're planning to take... Um, about 500 to 750 at the end of this year. Mm -hmm. But the reason why a lot of startups do this convertible note is because at the beginning of the business, you don't want to value your company and put like a, a, a price per share because you don't know the value sure. at all. You know, and if, if at that point, you know, $1,000 might buy 10% of the company or something crazy. So at the end of the day, you don't have anything left. Um, so the convertible note is nice because it's basically is saying is once we know our valuation, once we do a valuation, then your, the amount that they, um, invested will turn into stock. Mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's and and is it, maybe this is just my naiveness from a startup world, but it seems like most of the time startups don't actually go through, would you call it traditional funding through banks? They just go through the investors or do people still go through banks to get capital? Yeah. Uh, the word I hear is that you need a couple years operating as a business before you can really get a loan from a bank. Gotcha. Um, but you know, there's so many different things out there, you know, nowadays and, and we're going to try and get a loan after about a year, a year selling. So very exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, and just at a high level, is what was the defining moment like in when in your mind you go, oh my gosh, this is happening, <laughs> and the world stands still, and you're kind of in your own head, and you're like, whoa, this is happening. When did that take place for you? That was when that distributor called me and said, and he left a voicemail, and I listened to the voicemail, and it said, we would like to uh, accept you, and we'd like to move forward. And it was so funny because I started um, jumping up and down like a maniac, 
Um, and I had two interns there with me and like, uh, two, you know, two guys and they were just like, oh my gosh, is she okay? What, what is wrong with her? (laughs) And so then actually it was funny because I, 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 uh, it was the middle of the day and my teammates were working their full-time jobs and I texted them and I said, we need to talk. Um, can we please jump on a conference call like in 10 minutes? And I had that like, you know, uh, that tone that was just like, oh my gosh, something bad happened. No. <laughs> so I, so I got them on a call and I was like, um, guys, you, you know what? I'm, I've got some news today and I'm, you know, really sorry to tell you, but we are launching, this is happening, <gasps> you know, and they were just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> How do you, as an entrepreneur, be able, because I mean, your life is now your business and Mm -hmm. it's that they talk a lot about the emotional separation, but how do you keep saying in your, in your life as, as Leah, but then also as the, one of the founders or founder of social enjoyment? Yeah. So, you know, it's the same way everyone else does in that you need to, you need to take care of your body um, and you need to take care of your needs. So, you know, health is super important to me. I drink green powdered drinks every morning and I'm always looking at, you know, superfoods and, and things like that. Um, working out, you know, I need yoga, I need to run, just really taking notice of what my body needs. Mm-hmm. If I'm feeling stressed, I need to, I need to exercise. I need to go to bed and sleep. Um, so all of those things that, you know, everyone really really does. Um, and then, you know, as a business owner, I see a lot of business owners scrambling like crazy. And I really believe that work or someone told me, and I, I tend to believe these sorts of things that work expands to the amount of time you give it. Mm. And so I mainly, you know, I, I start my day. Um, a lot of times I'll start it at, you know, nine or 10 o'clock. Um, I'll work out in the mornings and then, um, I'll go to the office, work really focused. And then, you know, I might, uh, after work I'm meeting, you know, I have an event for the business or I'm meeting up with teammates or I'm meeting up with a partnership, um, or just some friends at a, you know, a restaurant or bar or whatever. And, um, so it's kind of like my whole day is really spent around the business. Um, but it's all, a variety and it's all sort of, I don't know, in balance mm-hmm. where I'm not working at my computer all day long till midnight. Like I, I cap it for the most part. Like when I leave the office, I'm pretty much done with my computer. Mm. Um, and I make sure I go to bed between 10 and 10 30. And, um, so yeah, so leading that really balanced lifestyle. And then just the, the last thing is, um, you know, this is, this is what I wanted to do my whole life, you know, like this is, um, the lifestyle that I've always wanted. You know, I've, I've always wanted to be, uh, creating something. I've always wanted to be leading people and I've always wanted to be out socializing and, and selling and sharing and connecting. So for me, this is very, very energizing. Um, most of the tasks I have to do throughout the day, you know, if, if someone is like really introverted and really wants to just be with themselves and be at a computer, then going into five different sales meetings throughout the day mm. 
is not going to feel good to them at all. No. (laughs) So getting in alignment with, you know, what is the lifestyle that you really want and, and creating the business that will create that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. What's a book that you've read or maybe you're currently reading that you would highly recommend to anyone, our listeners that has inspired you? So, gosh, okay, there's several, but um, there is a book called Power Versus Force, hmm. Power Versus Force, and it is, uh, it's, it's a look at how different emotional levels um, attra- kind of create success in your life. So it says that the more you're operating, your being is operating you know, it is made up of joy, love, peace, and some of those really positive emotions, Mm -hmm. the more everyone around you is going to be resonating at that. And you're going to draw in people that are like that. So, um, that certainly will help your business to be around, you know, joy and love and peace and all of those, those types of emotions much better than, uh, if you're, you know, filled with anger and fear and all of those things that, that would be a very difficult business to manage if, if I was, you know, afraid of everything or angry with everyone all the time. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. No, that definitely makes, that's a good insight. So it's called power versus force. Power verse force. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Well, Leah, I thank you for your time and energy for this hour and this this podcast. I appreciate everything that you've shared and lots of ton ton of good insights. Tell our listeners where we can connect with you and how do we find you? Yeah. So, um, socialenjoyments.com is is our website, and um, you can actually order order the product through the website. It will take you to, um, to a third party site that will ship it to about 35 States. Mm. Um, if they're in Chicago, they can actually order it via Instacart and it will deliver right to their door. Um, and then as far as social media, we are on Instagram is sort of my favorite, um, 88 social and also Twitter is 88 social, like 88 calories. Oh, okay. Yeah, and Facebook to social enjoyments. Okay, perfect. Awesome. Well, Leah, again, thank you so much. This was an absolute blast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and to our listeners, you guys will have everything in all the show notes on our website as well. Download us on iTunes and give us a review. Let us know how things are going. But until then, we will see you guys next Monday. Thanks, Leah. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye.